What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 332. My name's Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts, and as always, I'm joined by... Ron. And John. <laughs> I feel like it's like a roulette wheel. Like I'm, I'm waiting to see how Ronald starts the pickup. When I leave that breath there, it's just like, Ron, 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 Ron. Yeah, I've been told that I sound a little robotic when I say my name and also when I say hello, because people yeah. don't say hello because they just say, hey, or hi. And I say hello. And they're like, are you a robot? Well, now <laughs> that I've seen Ron's gone person. wrong and every time you say like Ron, I'm just like, is he glitching like the robot? You know what I mean? Like he's glitching right now with me or what's oh, going every on time here? I see Ronald, I slide nine pictures across the table to him. And I say, pick the ones that have a motorcycle in them. And if he fails that test, then I've, you know, one day he'll, I, I'm confident he's going to fail that test. And I'm going to yeah, know yeah. that it, he's, he's robo Ron. So long. Um, well, I sometimes worry that I'm going to forget to come in and say, and John, because I'm doing the same thing you're doing, Steve, I'm watching with, with such anticipation to see how Ronald does it, that, that uh, that sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I have something to do too. So one day mm. it's you know, he'll, he'll we're gonna both be staring at you like we're gonna be like right, John. Yeah. You're What's up? John gonna do John. this time? Right. Oh, Not say his name, I guess. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so yeah, we're getting together tonight to talk about mainly Peacemaker finale aired, and we're gonna talk about that sh- that episode specifically, but the series, the season one as a whole. Now that they've announced the season two is is coming. Uh, from mm-hmm. James Gunn, and you know, on the one of the, as a Max original, um, we're gonna just kind of mention some other uh, stuff that we've seen over the past week at the end of the episode. But um, to start, have you guys seen any news items, trailers, anything you want to just kind of buzz through real quick um, to make sure everybody's aware of if, if it came out over the last week? Well, there's a story that I don't know if it's a story that I would love. Ronald sent us this headline, uh, a, a Kevin Feige quote, yeah. uh, uh, where he referred to the 22 movie cycle of the Marvel Cinematic Universe as having the final Avengers movie in it. I don't know how much he's saying final Avengers movie and how much he's saying final one we've seen so far, or if yeah. he's saying final one in the cycle of this story, because they've said elsewhere, who knows which characters would pop up in a future team. I, I think that by final, you might mean the the last time we see those characters assem- assembled. I really did not mean that. that. <laughs> but I mean, the last time you see those characters gathered together in, in a movie and called the Avengers, I don't see that yeah. there's any, there's nothing in that quote that says uh, they won't do a, another one in a, in a few years. It's just as, as though he's saying, this is the story that we told over these movies, you know? Right. Um, but they've said as much as that they're not trying to build up to anything that big anytime soon. So right. anyway, right. I don't know what you guys thought, if that was actually news or if that's just Kevin Feige giving a quote that's not really describing anything specific. <clears throat> I am. I don't give a shit. That, that's I guess I don't either. Yeah. No, no. And, and, by that, and by that, I mean, I don't care. It's not that I don't care about what's happened in the cinematic universe. It's like, like either way that 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 ship has sailed. Right. And whatever comes out of this, a, any grouping of people, I don't know if I care if they're called Avengers. I hope exactly. they're not called the Avengers. In fact, I actually, you know, like comic books, like I think that Kevin Feige is looking at this as like runs of comic books. This is like the the the, the twenty year thing that we've known is done, and as you can see, yeah. like fifty people are being introduced to us, mm-hmm. sometimes three or four at a time, which is very overwhelming. I got to tell you. But I think it's really cool. I think it's really cool. And if we come back to the Avengers at some point, I don't need them to have their own movie. I'm, I'm okay right. with whatever version of them coming and fighting 
I think that's a crucial point. A movie called Whoever, The Avengers is, is right. different from a team called The Avengers. Right. Right. Yeah. So I'm okay with that. And I like, I didn't mean that as like a, a disrespect to it. I just think that like, I, I think holding on to things that, that I, were great to me in the, for the past 20 years, if that changes forms in this new run, which it seems to be, man, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. How many years yeah, I mean, is it really? It's it's twenty it's twenty odd movies. It's what how many years? It was two thousand eight. Was that Iron Man? Oh my god! Jesus, so fourteen years. That's 14. a lot of stuff crammed into a short period of time. <laughs> yeah, but it yeah. feels like it's thirty years. <laughs> yeah. And and as in the way that they're making stuff now with like what if and, and one division and Loki, it feels like we're watching like years and years of content in a very short amount of time, which is. That's I think that's the key, though, honestly, I think that's why probably what he's saying is probably accurate, but just it's a little ambiguous. And I think it's just because now that they're past that, what Ronald just said, I think, is the key to it all, which is that there's just so many opportunities now to introduce introduce stuff so much faster in some ways. So much more efficiently, maybe, you know, in, in terms of like, you know, needing to introduce a character and then kind of move on from it um like mm-hmm. with the whole disney plus of it all and i mean even their theatrical slate now that we're kind of like hopefully moving towards um better days in in, in this pandemic um but uh you know there's tons of stuff planned in both of those avenues of media yeah. so i just think that like there's so many uh i mean in some ways it would be even harder to land something like endgame you know in this new environment because yeah, of right. how much is going on and and i don't think and like you said they they've kind of said that they don't plan to at least in the nearest future and i don't think they need to i think they need to find out what works the best you know in terms of crossing over this tv and theatrical idea and um you know eventually have movies uh mcu movies that eventually i have no doubt will only come out on disney plus you know like (laughs) just like hbo max and warners are doing with their dc films like some are coming out in the movies some are exclusive to hbo max like Eventually, Disney is probably going to do something like that with Marvel, um, you know, when it gets to a point that some of these characters maybe don't need a theatrical release in terms of budgets and scope and whatnot. But I think it allows them just to kind of experiment a bit and, um, you know, see what works. And, you know, we'll probably won't know that for four or five more years, I think, because, you know, of what's going on with the series that they have on Disney+. Plus. Um, right. So it's like, if it is, if it is a fact and it is news, it really doesn't matter that much because it's not right, going to change. Exactly. And what you were saying, Ronald, um, about there doesn't need to be a movie called the Avengers. It's like, there's comics, there's West coast Avengers. There's the new Avengers. There's the young yeah. Avengers. Yeah. Right. They, they can Something use else. that name if they want to use that name, but the yeah. fact that they don't really need that name. Um, and that, in fact, that name might even be confusing to an audience expecting old characters in it when it's, when it wouldn't be, um, but yeah, it doesn't. It do, it really did seem like oh, this is a headline that doesn't really affect anything except for some baseline understanding that maybe we thought they were planning what the next Avengers movie would be, and this sounds like they're not, you know, or at least right, Kevin right. Feige's not going to casually drop it into a quote about something else. That's why it doesn't seem like news. Yeah. I think the broader topic here is these news stories that are like, you know, someone gives a little five minute interview and it becomes 70 news stories over the next couple days yes. the way these the way they take every factoid and turn it into its own yeah. story and um, he understands that he seems to understand that idea and i think he speaks the way that he does in, he, he speaks, speaks in, in nuggets <laughs> he speaks in nuggets and and you know it's you can see it in his face sometimes you know when he's getting to a piece of information that 
is relevant to us. You could tell that he, he kind of lights up. He's like, you know what? <laughs> you know, right. so I'm, I'm super curious to see what that means. Um, like I said, it's no disrespect when I said I don't give a shit, but like, no, that, I, I knew what you meant. Is, somewhere, somewhere right Kevin Foggy took his hat off and took a gasp when you said that. Because <laughs> he's obviously <laughs> listening to this. So he's, he's listening to the live feed. I know that he yeah, knows. Yeah, I think the only thing I wanted to mention, I think, was something that popped up today. Uh, I think Ronald sent us, um, I think Ronald sent us the whole Stranger Things uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Just the idea that, you know, they're kind of, and it's kind of interesting too. And I'm sure this is probably partly due to the, I'm, I'm almost, well, it's surely due to the pandemic at least, um, yeah. especially in the Netflix model, because you're seeing it kind of happen like with Ozark right now and Stranger Things basically acknowledging, which I had read like a rumor about this before that like, basically they're breaking the season, the season four up into two different parts or two different volumes to basically come out, you know, within a couple months of one another, um, uh, I guess basically because it's not done, but they want to get it out and that kind of thing. Yeah. It's also interesting because, you know, it, it comes back around to this topic of like, you can look at HBO and HBO Max and, uh, you know, this conversation around like dropping all the episodes at once versus a weekly thing. And we'll get into it more about Peacemaker when we get there. But like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's interesting that they're doing that with these shows that are kind of the remainders of their like landmark shows. Yeah. And mm -hmm. we talked about it a little bit on a couple episodes ago where like what goes what goes into Netflix's like top tier of shows when things like Ozark and Stranger Things are done their runs, which will be done within the next year or two, basically. And, you know, the idea of them breaking up these two episodes, final seasons or like or penultimate season in, Stranger, or in the case of Stranger Things, it's like, is that not only an idea for it being a production delay or things like that, but possibly also to like just stretch out the conversation, you know, over these properties? Because... It kind of blows my mind, and admittedly, I haven't even started the, la the this first part of the Ozark season, and mm -hmm. you know, which I can't believe I haven't come around to it yet. Um, but it's when pretty I think good about ship, right? And that's what I've heard. Like, I have no doubt that I'll enjoy it. But like, it's not even about the quality of it. I'm just saying, like, it's it's crazy to me that I'm almost forgetting because I don't hear people saying anything about it right. immediately, and on the opposite side of the coin is the idea of what I said before, you know, with HBO specifically really kind of driving home this idea of like the weekly episode, which HBO proper had done, but HBO max is doing also for certain seasons mm -hmm. of shows and for peacemaker specifically, they did. And it, it's just like the proof is there that like, you know, week over week, these shows are, are gaining viewers web succession yeah. peacemaker um, or a great example is actually Euphoria, which just had like one of its highest viewed episodes coming in opposite the Super Bowl, you know, of season two of that show. And it's the thing where like week over week, you're just constantly seeing stuff about that show because you have to wait two months before you see what they have to say about this season. Yeah. So, you know, I can't stop thinking about that when I see things like this with the Duffer brothers announcing that this is going to be a broken apart and, you know, it's kind of framed again, like, you know, it's taking a long time to get it done. It's you know, COVID and things like that. I'm sure it's, it's laced throughout that announcement. But God, man, I can't help but think that there's like not only an attempt to draw these out as long as possible, but it, like to say, 
that the summer of 2022, you're going to be able to be talking about Stranger Things more than if they had all just come out in May when they're supposed to come out or whatever it is. You know what I mean? What do you guys think about that idea? I told you so. You told me so. You mean the remember, weekly? Yeah, man. Like the, you remember what I was saying? Like it was, it's not that I don't think that the model that Netflix has of just dropping things in your lap is a, is a, the, the most awful thing in the world, but, I, but there is something to be said about the way conversations work now. Oh, like, totally if, agree. If you want things to last, you have to start doing it like that. And, and right. when I was saying it, it was out of frustration because like I said, I've had these situations where I've watched Stranger Things season one, and then six months later, somebody's like, yo, I checked out this right. show called Stranger Things. Right. Like, I don't, this is done. Yeah. 15 shows have come out since this has happened. <laughs> I'm just saying when something's weekly, it gives you some time for somebody you know, online or somebody in a in a conversation to be like, hey, look, oh my God, are you watching Bel Air? Are you watching Peacemaker? Right. Are you they watching Kanye? Are you watching Kanye on Netflix, which is a weekly thing? It's, Not it's, did you watch or have you watched it right, yet? You right. know, yeah, which is yeah. different. It's like, yes. are you involved in it? Are you in it? Yes. Are you hooked like me? Are you waiting for the next one like me? No, I th- right. I feel like uh um I feel like we've talked about this a lot actually kind of yeah. all of us agreeing that there's a big difference between like you kind of want it all in this selfish way and i feel like stranger things is the show that i associate with the binge that i actually feel yeah. like it's a binge show because everybody i know kind of gets it and then says i know what i'll be watching this weekend Definitely. and then they watch it and i think there is something kind of water coolery about that about being able to get people oh. all the way in a weekend uh, like a like a new movie or something, or like a good yeah. book, maybe where you can yeah. sit down and you can just dive into it. But I think that we also have seen that there is that other model that works. I I, I kept thinking about Better Call Saul while you were talking, Steve, and you too, Ronald, where it's like Better Call Saul is breaking up its final season and it's April and July. So it's not splitting mm. it up too much. They're not making you wait right. forever. It's really like once yeah. once the first six spool out, it really will only be a month or something month before or so, the yeah. next seven come out. Yeah. Um, and it does, so it doesn't seem like that much of a crazy tactic. It's not like breaking apart by a year. I think Breaking Bad's last season was split apart and it was like eight episodes and then a year and then the final right. eight. Right. Um, and I think other shows have had that final half season that was way spaced out. Sopranos did that, I believe, with its last season. It was split into parts. So I think that there are ways that it doesn't feel like too much of like a marketing thing or a or a, you know it's due to like not being able to finish in time or whatever. And sometimes it's like uh, it you, you hear about the salary negotiations and that if they called it a new season, they'd have to renegotiate salaries. Yeah. But if they call it a long season, they can actually you know. But they get twice the number of episodes. I don't know. There's all kind of reasons why they do these things, but. Clearly, the idea, and we've said it so many times, is just, yeah, have, the conversation lasts longer than a few days. Uh, it lasts over a few months. The one thing that's different, though, is that people will still watch these shows at their own pace or wait till they're over and then binge them. So you still feel like in this modern age, it's very difficult for there to be like a monolithic understanding of that sh- that quote unquote show that we're all watching. Right, but right, if right. you are on Twitter and you do follow the people that kind of follow the things you follow, for instance, Peacemaker has had a huge presence on Twitter and there's been constant, like the cast, everybody involved has been really active in terms of like, you know, live tweeting episodes and all that kind of shit that makes you go, okay, there is clearly some kind of, fandom that's growing week to week over something like this. Yeah. You saw it a little bit with the Marvel shows. We've seen it with Mandalorian for sure. Um, 
just where there's this little sense of, oh yeah, people are waiting for this thing. So, right, so right. I don't know. I feel like it works for some things and not for others, maybe. But I also think when they want to give me a bunch of stuff at one time, like Ozark or Stranger Things, I kind of associate them with a binge. So I want to, I, I want that option. Yeah. But um, you know, as far as the economics of just breaking like Stranger Things or Ozark's last season in two, yeah, I do think Netflix is trying to do a little bit of what you're saying, Ronald, is get back to that feeling of. Um, you know, people aren't just spinning through our stuff and viewing this as just just library content on our site. They're actually trying to, you know, there's a, the date starts to matter a little bit more. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, everybody, it, I do think I, I miss those days of feeling like, oh, everyone's been watching this and you kind of know where everyone is in it. And you don't have yeah. to worry about spoiling weird shit for people or people that are like, I'm waiting five years till it's over and then I'm going to binge the whole thing. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, all right, right, good luck. Yeah. It, it's interesting, man. I'm, I'm super curious to see how... Netflix adjusts because they they are they do seem to be pivoting in some ways. Like I said, the the Kanye West uh, genius uh, through I think it's two or three parts. Um, it mm. started uh, the other day, and I'm seeing people talk about it. The first episode is amazing. I don't know how you feel about this guy. I don't care, but if you watch it, this is unseen footage that's been sitting for 20 years. And to see this stuff, you know, this young guy that's trying to make it in New York from Chicago, like going to these offices, like, hey, I, I made a song for Alicia Keys. Yeah, it's it's really <laughs> cool to see a young kid walking around in a, in a Def Jam office trying to get signed. And this this conversation is going to go on for three more weeks as opposed to just dropping it at the right. same time. And that's Netflix. So Netflix is trying it on some level. On, on something that's huge. This is one of the most popular dudes in the world. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like I feel like they need to do it. I feel like they I, need to do it. I agree. I mean, I like, agree. I definitely agree with John that, like, there are shows that I do feel like it is appointment. Yeah. I am committed to binging this because I do almost see it more like a theatrical experience where, like, yeah. it's the big opening weekend. It's going to burn <laughs> bright. People are going to be talking about it like crazy. Yeah. It'll be in the top, you know, for a couple of weeks. But, like, that's going to be the moment. And, you know, as much as I value that, like, I just feel like the more and more I kind of commit to these weekly drops and you're seeing it more and more across the different streamers that we always talk about. Yeah, I'm definitely like feeling like I'm I'm siding with that more and more as I yeah. get through shows, because I just like the idea of, you know, being able to process some of the stuff, you know, uh, with with a little more time between the episodes. Mm -hmm. But I just feel yeah. like especially for their like these marquee shows like mm -hmm. i just you just hate to see like it just come and go you know yeah. like I, like ozark is the example that comes to mind like i haven't watched it yet but yeah. i just feel like you know it came out like two or three weeks ago and i feel like there is no conversation around ozark whatsoever anymore yeah. and it happened in a week or two and then it's gone and it's just like it's just kind of crazy to me and i feel like maybe that's a there's some sort of like tiering structure of like how and how they handle certain shows that really do have the power to keep Netflix in the conversation or to keep people coming back to the platform every Friday to, to watch that episode of Stranger Things or whatever it might be. Yeah. And while they're there, see the other stuff on Netflix, not just, you know, always just randomly checking in to see what got dumped on Netflix on a Friday. Right. Um, right. But I don't know. There's got to be something there to that approach that would man just like i don't know it's how you feel about the hbo max thing like maybe netflix can can like 
two or three a week. Like, I mean, so yeah, you don't I mean, feel like, so you don't yeah. feel like, man, I'm only watching one episode. Yeah. Like, give us three or something that, like that. That's, so, that's an approach that definitely works. Like most of these <laughs> shows are doing that like effects and Hulu and yeah. you know, yeah. HBO max, like a lot of them are doing that two or three episodes and then it goes to one or, or then it goes to one, you know, like you kind of get that front loaded thing. Yeah. Or, 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 or maybe do two a week, like you're saying or whatever, but um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, uh, I was going to say something when you mentioned, Oh, have I told you my Kanye story? I don't think I have ever. No, no. dude. I hung out with Kanye West in the parking lot of Best Buy in Towson when I was in like college. So random, but like I was walking out of Best Buy. He was parked next to me. And like, we just sat there and talked for like five minutes about what was going on. And he was like, I knew who he was. Yeah, just yeah. from his music kind of starting to break through because I was at Towson and like you could tell that like people knew who he was and like you know you started hearing more and more of his music yeah and um he was just basically like yeah I'm driving through I'm stopping here to get a present for my mom for Christmas and I was like I, I was like dude I would love to get you to sign something I can't believe I'm like literally talking to you in a parking lot of Best Buy yeah that's crazy I had, and I had nothing so I took out a dollar bill and he signed a dollar bill and I have it still and like that became oh, wow. what I did when I would meet like certain musicians or artists that I love, I would have them sign like a dollar bill. And that's what I started collecting after I saw him. And in the moment just got like a dollar bill signed by him. It was so, so weird. How but, was um, he? Was he a nice guy? Dude? He was very nice. He was very, he was very just, I mean, honestly, you know, that at that point, he, I don't yeah, think yeah. he was the personality that he is now, or, you know, as polarizing as he is now, or even just the artist that he would become five years later. Yeah. Cause this was probably in like 2000, God, when would that have been? Early early 2000s, you know, five, eight, or not even that late, actually. Maybe 2004, five, six. Wow. But, wow. you know, like, nobody, like, I don't know, like, you know, he was just breaking, and I was just like, is that Kanye West next to my car? And I was like, what the <laughs> fuck? And it 100% was, and, like, he was very nice and just, like, he was like joking. I think it was snowing that day when we were, yeah. we were starting to snow. And he was like, I got to get mm -hmm. out of here before it gets crazy. I got to get up to New York or whatever. And I was like, shit, man, good luck driving up in the snow. <laughs> but he was he was That's nice. He was very nice. And uh, it wow. was like one of those weird moments where like I, I remember like I called my then girlfriend. I was like, I just talked to Kanye West in the parking lot for like <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> like, what did you do right in the last hour? And she's yeah. like, I just, I'm sleeping. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> It was very cool. He was very that's, nice, and uh, really you know, cool. five, like four years later, he like becomes like the biggest yeah. you know, artist oh. out there. It was kind of bonkers, you know. <laughs> but that's just amazing, random. Man. But yeah, okay. It's wow. my comedy story. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Anything else to mention before we get into it. Peacemaker? I don't know. Yeah, let's go to Peacemaker, man. This is uh. We, I mentioned this like last week, I think, or maybe it was when we were talking about the after party. Like we are so fortunate and so thankful to be able to get screeners of shows, mm -hmm. but yeah. goddamn, does it kill me? And this goes back to the streaming thing about like binging stuff. You know, sometimes they'll give us like seven of eight or six of yeah. seven, or, you know, usually that last or the penultimate episode and the finale is kind of held back. But we mm -hmm. talked about this, like going through this show so quickly when they gave it to us, you know, a month and a half ago. Yeah. And to finally get back around to see the finale, I felt like as soon as it started and that intro kicked in with the opening credits with the music, like I was so, so happy to be Me watching too. the finale. Like Aaron and I both like just lit up 
And like, she knows I don't skip those credits. I watched yeah. the entire thing. And I was just like, oh man, it's been like four weeks, five yes. weeks since I've, since I've watched this show. And I'm still so excited to watch this finale, you know? Yeah. And uh, so it was so such a good feeling, you know, like, yeah, it was as crazy. frustrated as I was. It was great to finally be able to check it out. It premiered on HBO Max. And then mm -hmm. the nerve. I love you, HBO. And then I get a notification in the email. Oh, yeah. the eighth episode is now available. Available to, in your screeners. <laughs> Come on, HBO. <laughs> I guess Come that's on, an automated thing that goes out. Or maybe yeah. they really want to get, if you're on the press list, right. they want you to, to remember to give it press. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah Steve, I was actually, um, I, I had to pick my son up. He has a, an art class that he goes to downtown after school on Thursdays. And I was picking him up. Um, bringing him home this evening, and I was telling him I had that like feeling of like when we're all going to see a movie, yeah. And I just ha and, and I know that, and it's in the my, it's in my back pocket like all day when we're going to see one of these big movies that we're all looking forward to. And it's like then there's that moment where everybody's in the car and you pick them up, and you're like, all right, we're going to the th you know it's that happening. feeling. Yeah. Um, I, I had that feeling about coming home and watching a show t uh, this evening before we recorded, you know, to uh -huh. watch that. So I, I definitely agree with you that it was exciting, and it just it being who it is. It's a guy who makes movies that we like, and yeah. it's a show that has held up week to week. And even upon closer inspection, I watched them just like you guys did when we when we first had access to the first seven. Uh, at the you know when when we first saw the first one, we could watch the first seven, and yeah. then I, but I watched it every week with my family after that. So I got to see the. Not only did I try to make a note of like, oh, I'm seeing finished effects where before there were not always finished right, effects, right. but um. I was also seeing that feeling of like, yeah, this show really is holding up week to week. Like it really is a good show. Like that if you watch the show, there's only one or two weeks out of eight that feel like moving characters into place for other things and don't feel like just a, an episode where something happens. And it's, you know, almost not like a complete story. It was definitely a serialized sort of one big story stretched out. But there's this integrity to the individual episodes that you only get to experience if you have a week to think about it and look forward to the next one. And so I kind of enjoyed seeing my family go through that process of watching it because it was like, oh yeah, this is what it would have been like had we not had access to all of them. That, you know, the, yeah. that you actually are going like, oh, I wonder, oh, I hope Eagly doesn't die. You know, little things that I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know, I, I, I kind of recognize more what James Gunn was doing with the format, yeah. um, which, which I think was really good. And I honestly will say this is one of the better uh, I mean, as far as even right up to the finale, it felt like a good television show finale, not a uh, teeing up a movie or teeing up some other thing the way so many yeah. of these these uh, you know extensions of franchises the shows have. Even with yeah. loving them a lot of the time, that last episode feels like it's saying, "and go to the theaters, folks," or "tune in next time." But this really felt yeah. like a TV show that was wrapping up a season, yeah. and I appreciated that. I appreciated that James Gunn made an honest go of of like trying to make trying to make television and i think he's excited about it you know i think that we can expect more of this kind of this long form stuff from from him and his people um i was gonna say uh this this movie i mean this movie this show <laughs> see this show this show wandavision and mandalorian are three things that i've seen that have kind of made me question the movie experience as as a concept of like higher art versus television I think we're getting to a point with some of these shows where the writing just as good. The special effects are almost up to par, if not on par with, with most movies. Yeah. So, you know, I'm watching this movie. Jesus, I'm watching this show <laughs> and feeling the same feelings I would have felt in the movie theater, except 
you know, I can stretch my legs out a little more. Uh, you know, I can throw a little more salt about popcorn from, from the seat that I'm in. You know, it's just this show from week to week, like you were saying, John, just, it was, it was emotionally touching. It, it had some cool commentary on like, you know, parenting and, you know, kind of stepping away from a generation that you don't necessarily agree with. Uh, it, it was, it was so well done that it shocked me, man. Like not, not for a comic book show, for any show. It shocked mm -hmm. me for any show. I, yeah. I was, I teared up several times watching John Cena act his ass off. Like there was some yeah, parts that great in it. it challenged yeah. my whole idea about, you know, I watch wrestling. I'm a, watching John Cena do some of these things. I was like, man, like I get, I get why J James Gunn invested in him the way that he did. Like it, it didn't make any sense when I first heard it, but after watching, I'm like, holy shit, John, John Cena is, Incredible. He's incredible. 100%, yeah. in Ronald. I, I had the same thought. I, mean, I think we talked about it on the show, just wondering if John Cena was was the ingredient we wanted to see James Gunn make a television show mm -hmm. out of. And by the time, I mean, it didn't take till the end for me to think this, but definitely right. at the end, I kind of had the same thought of like, yep, I, I now, I felt the same way after that Vacation Buddies movie, though. I was like, yeah, John yeah. Cena is starting to warm me up to his potential and the ways that he is actually... Uh, more interested in being vulnerable than say the rock uh or um yeah. maybe maybe even i don't know like we we we're big fans of dave bautista i think on this yeah. podcast and he's Definitely. he's he's turned in some pretty you know pretty interesting performances um i think john cena might have that extra element of being able to handle the the comedy um in a way that kind of snuck up on me honestly like it's yeah. he manages to weave it into whatever character he's playing it, it which is like good acting when the comedy comes from character and not i mean he's a little buffoonish but it's more about just this character that we we come to know and so his reactions to things are funny because we've come to understand his psychology and that's that's pretty good stuff you know <laughs> like yeah. that's again yeah. that's what makes it feel like a good show and not just a uh you know cleaning up between movies kind of property for 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 some giant franchise it actually feels like it was allowed to have its own identity yeah man yeah i feel like that's a big thing like listening to him talk about why he wanted to do a peacemaker tv series and now i guess you know do two seasons of it at least is because like it did seem like you know they were very much hbo dc like very much like do your thing like do your own thing you know go and do the show you want to do you know, there wasn't really any of those conversations about having to tie it into this or to make it, you know, uh, lead to that. And that that's something that you're right. Both, I think you both have sort of mentioned it is that I think that's what the show really benefits from from like versus some of the Marvel series that we've watched on Disney Plus, which is that, you know, it's not caught up too much on referencing events from the movie, uh, yeah. you know, that he did or referencing events from other DC movies. Um, you know, it's got some fun, you know, winks and nods to characters and, and, and other elements of the DC universe. But I think the idea that he just kind of was able to make a story and our show with a story and a narrative that like, he just is so great at doing, you know, like he's such a great storyteller. Um, and he's, and he's, he's kind of unique in the way that he does it in the sense that like, you know, there, he wrote all these episodes, but you know, there's a couple different directors that that's, did some of the episodes, but um, you know, being able Brad to Anderson, uh, did you notice he was one? Uh -huh. Yeah. 
yeah directed and, um, session nine and other movies it's just cool that you know you 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 can get those different like flourishes in in some of the in some of the visual elements of the show with it still being very consistent but the most consistent thing is just that story you know like mm-hmm. you don't feel like disjointed you don't feel like it's separated in any way from episode to episode and yeah i mean i definitely to echo you know kind of what you both are saying like i i thought this show was incredible like i don't understand how how it was as good as it is <laughs> i say that but i'm not surprised because like we all love james gunn you know and i think he's he's one of the best out there doing it and he's kind of figured out how to do what he wants to do the way he wants to do it in these huge playgrounds and you know um I just think that, you know, his commitment to what he wanted to what he wanted to explore and do with the Peacemaker character is just so much him. And, you know, like this so like second tier thing that people probably would have looked past. And, you know, there's so much there to mine, you know, for emotional story and, and you know, just narrative stuff that worked so well from episode to episode. Um, and, you know, all the while bringing in additional characters that, you know, are, are either introduced in this series where we barely saw in Suicide Squad or anything else um, and mm-hmm. making them very interesting on their own, you know, wanting to see more of them too in the second season, you know, um, identifying like, I fucking love Vigilante so much. That character is so hilarious. <laughs> and in some ways manages in certain sequences to upstage everybody else on the screen. Yeah. But, I, you know, just to be able to do that so f- efficiently in this series is just, um, He's amazing, man. I love I love James Gunn, and um, you know, I'm I'm glad that people really kind of have taken to the show and to him. It's, it's sort of especially because Suicide Squad didn't do, you know, the business that they thought it could or should have right. done. Um, you know, it kind of. I remember he was on some podcast. I forget which one it was that I was listening to. You know, and they were just very bluntly talking to him about it, and he, you know, he was pretty open about like. You know, it, it was hard to see that, you know, the movie not perform the way he thought it could or should, especially because, you know, pretty much most people that saw it, like at least very much liked it or loved it. And, um, you know, he had made a comment that like it was the most pirated movie, you know, uh, that year. And, and it's, it's just like it these things that are kind of stacked against you, not to mention the whole pandemic of it all and the day and date on HBO Max. But to know that you're committed to the story of this character and to kind of deliver so hard with this series is just, just impressive. I mean, honestly, and yeah. I don't think I know a person who's seen this show that doesn't really love it. Like, yeah. uh, I don't think Aaron had any interest in this show at all. When we started watching it, uh, <laughs> we first got our screeners and she loved the show. Like she yeah. was so pumped to watch this episode um, and loved it as well. So, I mean, I just think the ability to kind of like, that's just a testament to like being able to just grab somebody with a great story, interesting characters, no matter what world it's in. And that he does it so well. Um, and I can't wait to see more of this show. I can't believe it's as good as it is. I don't, again, I feel weird saying that, but just like, I should have never doubted him. Uh, and I just, and I didn't even doubt him, but I don't know. So it was a weird, it was like you said, Ronald, it was a weird announcement, like a Peacemaker series, huh? Like, especially with what happens in the show. I mean, in the movie. <laughs> Um, but man, I'm, I can't wait to see more of these characters and, uh, yeah, just so good. Loved it. I think I was openly disappointed when, when I, even after seeing the movie, uh, you know, I was like, if, and thinking John Cena was good in the movie, I was like a, still a little very, like very, very suspicious about what <laughs> this would be, but I'm kind of with you, Steve, like 
why would you not think James Gunn would have some sense of an idea, knowing right. that he could have taken any pieces from that to spin into a show? Right. Why would he? Why would he have a terrible idea all of a sudden? You know, and I don't, yeah. I don't mean that he's yeah. never everything's been gold. I just mean like, why would he be like, yeah, that's what I want to spend this much of my life on and this many hours writing and this. And, and I, I want to maybe there's a couple of key things I want to mention here. One is, as good as these shows get, the, whenever they cut to a scene from one of the movies. The, you can you can feel the extra little bit of budget uh, put into a movie in terms of shooting it and lighting it and color correcting it and everything. It's one of the yeah. only things that they haven't quite matched up to yet. Like, but otherwise, this is this. I mean, I would say not just otherwise. Even with that in consideration, that it still doesn't look quite as good as the as the movies do. Um, it's it's one of the more consistent shows in terms of the quality of the fights and the oh, action yeah. and even the CGI. I mean, there's some moments where it's obvious CGI, but it's usually incorporated in a pretty clever way. And I mean, James Gunn likes a gory battle. So it's like you, you, you know, I don't know. I, I felt like this was some of the better fight choreography and action I've seen from, from, from one of these uh, shows that kind of fit into this subgenre that we're talking yeah, about. I totally agree with you. Um, and, and the other thing is, you know, we keep mentioning James Gunn. That's maybe the only thing to be a little nervous about is that Peacemaker season two, a story by James Gunn written by Chet and Pete and uh. Billy and Zoe. I mean, I'm just wondering like, will other writers imitating the James Gunn style be anywhere near as charming as James Gunn is? Because there's right. a very specific thing he does and a very specific kind of joke that he does. Yeah. And I wonder about how much he's going to be able to do Peacemaker season two with the same attention to detail he was able to do the first one, given that we know that right now he's deep in Marvel world <laughs> with Guardians 3. I'm just wondering like, at what point is this, is this guy that we love, like, is it possible for him to spread himself thin you know the way that like if you look back um uh, most of these creators that have had multiple shows at some point they start pulling back and they stop you know they they they, they quit the day-to-day -day supervision of some of this stuff do you trust yeah. the peacemaker show and crew outside of the supervision of james gunn or do you think he is the ingredient kind of that brings it all together and do you fear at all not so much fear i mean i think that he'll find a way to come up with something good but do you know at all what i'm saying that like it's, oh, yeah. you, you wonder how he's going to be able to do everything that his name is attached to at this moment <laughs> maybe he's not farming it out it. i mean at this maybe. point like yeah. at, you know maybe. the way that he spoke about writing you know i remember when he first said i wrote all the episodes already it was like pretty early into lockdown so it didn't feel like i was like what how is this possible that he's written a whole season of a of a of a story arc and right. then it happened so you know maybe i i feel like he's trying to do what what some directors do not want to do which is basically make as much as shit as humanly possible until you can't really mine that information out of your head anymore and yeah. i think that like he he seems very precious with his writing and stuff, but not too precious that he can't produce more things. And I'm loving Maybe that so. Part. Maybe he can pull a few late nights and write Peacemaker season two and he's just that good. <laughs> I think so, honestly. Like, and I feel like, especially because in the announcement, they said that he's writing and directing the second season of the show. Oh, they so, did specifically I mean, say it, that. Okay. They did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and like even his statement, like, you know, in most of the paper, uh, pieces I read about it, you know, he's just like, you know, all over the idea of like, this is one of the most fulfilling things I've ever done. Like, you know, the fact that it's worked so well just makes me want to do it even more. And not even just with just Peacemaker, like there's stuff of talking about him doing other, you know, possibly other DC series. Oh, he, has, for he has another HBO show Max. lined up. 
that they they haven't right. said what it is, but it's right, supposed exactly. to be different tonally. You know, it's supposed to be like a, a more, less less comedic. They said, mm, but gotcha. that's all they've said. Well, yeah, I have no. There. I mean, yeah, I think, I think, I think he'll. I think he can do it, man. I mean, honestly, like he's kind of in the zone. It seems like he's kind of, you know, in a different way, but similar to, like you know, Taika. You know, has so many yeah. things yeah. going on, and like good you example. Know, stuff he's writing, directing, producing. But it seems like for the most things that James Dunn, that James Gunn is doing, with the exception of you know maybe a movie here or there that he maybe just produced or you, they're usually something he's also had some writing credit on, um, but maybe not directed. But uh, like that movie that came out like this with the with the kid who was like a like the villain origin story. Basically, oh, remember that movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, burn uh, something? Was it something Burn? Uh, I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, like, you know, he produced it. I think he co-wrote it, but he didn't direct it. But like, you know, he he's he's got a lot of involvement in what he puts his name on. So I think, you know, I'm I look forward to seeing what he comes up with for season two. And I think there's probably some really cool ideas out there. Um, Brightburn. Brightburn. Bright, right. I knew that there was burn in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, I did Brightburn. too. I knew that you were right, but I just didn't know which part it was. I haven't <laughs> seen Brightburn. I heard it was really good and I like dark and weird and I haven't seen it. It is. I thought it was pretty good. I liked it. I, I don't think it's great or anything, but mm. it's an interesting take on like, like a, a superhero slash villain origin, you know, like okay. kind of, but in a, in a, like a horror movie type of thing. Um, okay. But yeah, it's, I think it's pretty cool. It's got some pretty amazing. There's a couple of really great sequences in it. Mm. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. I don't really have much else to say about Peacemaker outside, outside of just, well done, Mr. Gunn. Well done. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, I'm super satisfied with it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Eagly looked really good. Like the, Eagly looked amazing. so They amazing. got up close to that eagle. And, and like in the early... Incredible. I, I almost feel like the effects got better. Maybe it was just that those were things that continued to polish on the episodes that we first watched. Because I had in my head that Eagly looked pretty good. And then yeah, watching yeah. it again the second time... I was like, oh, he, he actually looks way better than I thought. So maybe they did yeah. tinker with some of that, some of that like rendering on on that character. But just what a great character! And I love how the the finale answers some questions about Eagly that we may have been wondering. Just how much does Eagly understand? Uh, and we're <laughs> led to believe maybe Eagly's understanding is much more pet like and less like human like. But okay, let's uh, at this point we've just recommended the show. Anyone at this point surely knows that we love it. I don't think we've spoiled anything really yet. Let's talk a little okay. bit about the outcome of the season before we wrap up the episode just because i think there's a couple things that are worth observing about um one is i think that um and here comes spoilers folks i think that james gunn kills enough people that we know he knows that we know and he wanted to do something a little he wanted to play with our emotions and i think that the fact that just about every member of the team had a are they going to die yeah. I didn't really worry too much about Leota, and I didn't uh, worry too much about, um, uh, well, obviously Peacemaker himself. I wasn't that worried about Vigilante for some reason, because I, he seemed like such a breakout character, but I also felt like James Gunn wouldn't not create a breakout character just because he intended to kill that character. Yeah, and I think right. James Gunn would know that eight episodes is plenty of time to play with a D-list character from the comics like Vigilante. I mean, clearly someone he chose, all these characters are chosen because he can play around with them, right? So he, right. no one's safe, but I did start thinking James Gunn, if he loves doing this show, maybe, I mean, now that there's a season two, it makes sense that he would keep the team around. But going mm -hmm. into this episode, I didn't feel like anybody was particularly safe just because... 
I mean, again, he, there's one thing is like going forward with this family you've built, and the other thing is James Gunn's storytelling surprises. Uh, so yeah, every everybody got a moment where it seemed like maybe they were a goner. Uh, Economos is, was probably the, one of the most convincing because that sequence went on so long that it felt like they really had earned his his death if it was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but even then, I don't know. What, what did you guys think of those James Gunn surprises, and, and were you at all surprised that we really didn't lose anybody uh, uh, from the core group that now feels like the cast of the show going forward. When when one of the characters died that I was not expecting to die, that was inhabited by uh, an alien being. Uh, you could say, we're spoiling. Yeah, I mean, when that guy was killed, uh, Mern. When, when Mern was killed, um, who's going to be a villain in Guardians? Isn't he going to be a villain in Guardians? Yeah, James Gunn did he that thing he likes so to much. do. He, he figured out he likes this actor and <laughs> yeah. he put him in his next big project in a big That's role. So cool. You know, it is. He great. was, Mern was so good, man. And, you know, it was so weird about it. It was, you know, they established that he was being inhabited by a butterfly, you know, and that he wasn't quite human anymore. And when he died, I still felt it, like, really felt it. That yeah. scene where that just kind of like, in just out of the way of seeing him die, and it they was like heard put, the, putting the gun on him and blow and like shooting three or four times into his yes. chest, like at close range. That was brutal. It, that was brutal. And seeing them jump in the other in the in the other space, mm -hmm. and and seeing uh, Harcourt start to cry, essentially, just kind of knelt down trying to hide from this this dangerous presence. I felt it, man. I felt every bit of it. So mm -hmm. if he could do that with a guy that clearly wasn't meant to be there forever, good Lord, man. Like, Well, also he has the double death of then the little, the, the, the good natured butterfly oh. crawls out of him and gets, and gets mashed up and then gets to die again later when they find him and he's still got a little <laughs> hand to reach out. I think that's James Gunn knowing that he, I mean, that's him almost being malicious with our heartstrings with that little <laughs> insect guy. But I think the thing about Mern was he, he was an example of sort of the, the butterfly experience. He got to talk a little bit about it, which let us know that the yeah. memories of the person are still in there somewhere, kind of yeah. tormenting. So there's the possibility of coming back maybe with some supernatural intervention, but basically you're gone once you're possessed by one of these things. That's why yeah. even watching those cops, the kind of bumbling cops get got, was a little bit sad because we liked them. We liked their energy. They were real yeah. characters and then they died. Um, but no, I thought that was a brilliant thing. Like the, the way that Mern's death really did show you that, okay, Maybe he was the most likely to die, but it also opens up this possibility that maybe maybe this whole team isn't gonna make it out of this right. mission. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mern Mern related. I love the scene where uh, Har Harcourt finds out that Ayobado uh, Ayobayo is uh, the daughter. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah, how am I not pronouncing it? <laughs> Uh, the daughter of Viola Davis's character, and she's like, "Did you know that he's a fucking?" She's like, "Yeah, I know, I know, I know." Mern's like, "I know, I know that she was." Yeah, I love that man. I love that. You think I, I didn't do a background check on anybody? <laughs> I welcome to my team. <laughs> right, right. God, man, just he got one over on him. You think you know? He delivered. Those well, he lines. also had those lines that hinted at like the fact that the guy that he possessed was not a very good guy. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and I love that his realization that when he contacted one of that guy's friends to get to be their man on the inside, and that was that guy Locke who turned out to be like the crooked sheriff. And then, then the butterfly sheriff. Very scary like, face. I love the way though, that, that 
you see the realization on his face when he realizes that the guy that was friends with the guy that he's inhabiting is not a good guy. You know, yeah. like that he realized yeah. when he says, yeah. oh, he's our man on the inside. And he said, he's a psychopath. There was a, They lingered on Mern's face. It was just a nice little moment where you realize that the, the butterfly inside him is going, maybe he's not a good guy. You know, like maybe <laughs> maybe I trusted the wrong guy. I don't know. I just thought that was a neat little... Because that story with line, you almost had to piece it together because when we first meet Locke, we don't know why he's talking to Mern, you know? Yeah. And yeah. you almost have to, I don't know, you have to have a good memory for faces to pick up on when he shows up later as the cop, that he's the he's the plant. Uh, yeah. But he's a plant from a, a, a hero friend of ours who is also uh, potentially part of this other thing because he's a butterfly. I just feel like, again, it was set up like a good TV show. I think James Gunn actually, he gave all of these minor characters something to make you remember them. Um and, you know, every actor, I always think in his movies or his shows now, it seems like people get something fun to do. Even if your character's not going to be much and you're going to die like the cops, they, they got fun stuff to do. So I think that that's, right. a, that's just a sign of how much he cares about characters and probably how much he cares about actors, too. <clears throat> yeah. So I guess I guess the other big thing is the, the big there's a big moment at the end um, with, uh, you know, with bigger DC heroes, we should say, uh, uh, which might be one of the things that James Gunn was worried about being spoiled by releasing this episode. Uh, yeah. So he did not want it to come out until it was going to officially drop. What did you think of the appearance of basically the Justice League in some shape or form? I thought it was cool, man. Yeah, it's cool, man. Like I, and especially because like, you know, you have the scene where like she calls in the favor to mom, you know, like, hey, can, can you just send the Justice League? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you have time? No, I don't. Like, <laughs> Uh, and, and that's like, I feel like, you know, I, I, that's another James Gunn thing. I think is, you know, there's the full circle of that joke, the whole season about, uh, Aquaman <laughs> having sex with fish, you know, I just think that, 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 that just, that lands well, uh, yeah. especially, you know, when, when flash kind of is in on the joke, uh, or at least I, seems to think it's true. Like that's what yeah, I ended right, that going right, like was was right. Flash giving him a hard time, or does Flash think it's true? <laughs> right. It, 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 it was a fun scene. I, I thought it was yeah. really kind of. Uh, it's one of those weird things like where we're watching it and like you know you have the wide shot. You can tell it's like not them in the wide shot at yeah. the shot mm-hmm. with them. Then you have your close up coverage and it's like oh there's Jason Momoa yeah. and Ezra Miller and you're like oh cool yeah. but and you have just like the shadowy figures of like Wonder Woman and Superman. It's like. Oh, production, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but, what do you say? Took you long enough, dickheads, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, when yeah, saw yeah. That you're, you're, you're late. Was... You're, you're late or whatever. Yeah. No, that was a cool scene. It was like, it was. Uh, I, I do like how like it didn't really rely on any kind of special big surprise cameo to have any impact on their story. Yeah. Exactly. But more, but more of a like, oh, yeah, Amanda Waller could get the Justice League to show up there, but they'd be right. five minutes too late, you know, or whatever. Okay. Well, uh, and it's like, I mean, you kind of said this, Steve, this is like almost a plot hole people try to address in these movies. They're always saying, well, yep. wh- why don't the, all the other heroes know about this? Exactly. Um, but, I, but, but I love also the way that that feeds into the story of Peacemaker. It's like, as a hero, this is kind of like a moment for him. You know what I mean? Like he was yeah. there and they, they all got to see that he was doing the right thing uh, in that moment. So it's a little bit of his redemption story is kind of being broadcast. But I think what's interesting too, is that all of that happened to pay off the Aquaman fucks fish joke, that that's the reason that they're there. They're really not there, as you said, to save the day or or come in. And so they don't affect the story. They're they're purely to to be part of the joke. And I thought that, I mean, that's one thing I guess you just want to (laughs) say. DC is fine with, uh, you know, James Gunn messing around with, you know, they also sort of seem to establish that Green Arrow 
is a brony. Uh, <laughs> and they also had a, what was the Superman thing they said a couple episodes ago? There was a Superman joke too. That Does he have had. like? It might have been really like if he's got like a fecal fetish or something like yes, that. Yes, it was something weird like that. Yeah, like something brutal. Yeah. Uh, great show. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Oh man! So that's all on HBO Max now. If you haven't watched any of it or you're catching up, definitely check out the finale. Or if you haven't started Peacemaker, highly recommend it across the board. I think from the podcast, I think we've all really enjoyed this show. So, Were you um, emotional watching the opening sequence just one last time when it started the last oh time? God, I tried so to, much. I tried yeah. to pay extra attention to it one last time. <laughs> better, better yet, I was like emotional when they did their walk up and the song played. Yeah, you know, me like too. when they did the when they did the walk up to the barn in like slow yeah, motion, yeah. and it's that yeah. song. I was like, and and then you know when they start changing the key of the song when people start getting hurt, yeah. I'm like, oh fucking James Gunn, man, he's good. Taking that song that I love and you're putting it in this like <laughs> epic hero thing, and then it's just going wrong. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. no, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, it's great, great. That song's definitely uh, in rotation on my Spotify. It's <laughs> a great song. Oh man. Uh yeah. So what else have you guys watched? Mentioned a couple things before we wrap this up. I know we kind of had a couple, uh, couple uh, titles that we each wanted to mention briefly. I I just want to mention. Okay, so um, I'm getting into physical media. Um, in the wake of the announcement of the Viola Davis movie, The Woman King is coming out. Gina Prince. Uh, what is that? Uh, by the Wood. What an interesting last name. I love it. Uh, her old movie, Love in Basketball, the Criterion Collection. Nice. Uh, so so I, good. I have a copy of this, um, a digital copy of this, and uh, it's a 4K intermediate, uh, 5.1 DTS mix, uncompressed sound, pump it through. So I pump it. I can't I can't go downstairs right now because my wife is pregnant, going to give birth very soon. This is the first time I've ever said this on the podcast but so i got a nice <laughs> i got a nice setup upstairs so that she didn't <laughs> have to walk around so i have this cool uh vizio sound bar that has a you know like atmos when atmos comes on it flips up and shoots the sound around and then i have two in the back and a huge subwoofer that rocks the floor she fucking hates it <laughs> and we wound up watching Love and Basketball on Valentine's Day. So for anybody that hasn't seen this movie, it's just a beautiful story about two people that love basketball and each other. There's no, nobody dies. Nobody gets stabbed. Nobody. Get, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just a love story. That is so cool. And no woven. cancer. No, ca- no cancer. No cancer. Nobody, no, no parents die. Uh, and it's it's just a, if you want to watch a cool, you know, just it, it's it's not a rom com, but it it has like comedic elements in it with a lot of heart. I would absolutely suggest this movie, man. Loving Basketball is like one of my favorite films, and it's Criterion, man. Criterion Collection stuff is just, you know, it's remastered to perfection. You know, it has a lot of extra features. I think, you know, this is the beginning of my physical media journey. And this is this is the first one. This is the first one. I, I want to start trying to talk about more of these things as we go along. And uh, maybe mm-hmm. they can start sending us stuff. That would be amazing. Yeah. But yeah, loving basketball. What, what, what about you guys? 
I was going to just go through a couple real quick. I uh, wanted to mention uh, the biggest thing I watched that I, I loved, and it's it's a docuseries on HBO Max. It's called 100 Foot Wave. Okay. Um, it's basically, uh, I think it's a six-part docuseries, um, basically about Garrett McNamara, who is like a legendary big wave surfer. If you've ever seen like documentaries like Riding Giants and, you know, some of these big wave docs, he's always mentioned. He's like a legend. Um, but this documentary series is basically about him um his career of chasing the 100 foot wave and um it takes place over his life but it, it's amazing how much footage they've had footage they've had over the past like 15 and 20 years um and uh you know basically the discovery and like kind of cultivation and following that Nazare has uh developed which is uh the beach the surf uh that he found in Portugal mm-hmm. that over the past like 10 years has become like a mecca of big wave surfing and at the time was like an untapped thing. Like no one knew about it mm-hmm. and they were all surfing out of Hawaii and that's where everything was. Jaws was the big break. And, you know, somebody, a fan, somebody he had corresponded with told him about this, you know, these swells in Nazare. And, you know, eventually he went there to see them and basically kind of completely transplanted his life there for the better Whoa. part of a decade to, to develop safety protocol and to develop a team and, to basically live there and to develop a community around this beach, you know, and to help the local community and to create a surf culture there and an economy there that never existed. It's just an incredible documentary series. And again, I I love these documentary series, these docs about like the big wave surfing or just surfing in general and um, the characters, the surfers, the professionals, the families, how it affects all that stuff. And specifically the big wave surfing, it's so dangerous and so risky and such a, you know, it's like these thrill seekers and it's just like these adrenaline junkies, you know, and you can kind of watch him and just question like, oh my God, why, you know, why are you surfing 70, 80, 90 foot waves? Um, Especially when you see that the damage that it does to people and to your bodies and to you mentally. Um, But that is on HBO Max. And again, I can't recommend that enough. It's one of the better things I've seen so far this year. Um, just kind of plow through that over the past couple of days. Um, also checked out uh, Zachary Levi's American Underdog, which is like the based on a true story story of Kurt Warner, uh, Hall of Fame quarterback um, for the Rams and the Cardinals. You know, pretty pretty cookie cutter, pretty standard document. I mean, uh, bi- bi- biopic. Um, but you know, I like Zachary Levi, so I thought I'd check it out, and I, I thought it was it was pretty good. Um, just a great story of just like you know, I mean, not to sound silly but like an an underdog you know just like i'm always in for the underdog story you know no matter what it is referenced or framed around so to see you know somebody kind of overcome these things is just uh really inspiring um the movie's kind of i don't know it feels kind of cheap in certain areas but you know it's a smaller production it's not like some big budget movie but i thought it was pretty good um and then what was the other thing that i said i wanted to mention 100 foot wave america underdog oh and the other Netflix, Netflix has Ali Wong's new comedy special, mm. Don Wong. Mm. And like, let me just say, I love Ali Wong. I've seen her a couple times. Uh, her first special specifically is like one of my favorites. And I think she's hilarious. I did not find this new special funny or enjoyable really? that much at all. I mean, there's a couple great jokes in it that really do work. But overall, I just felt like, I don't know. I felt like she took a sharp turn in being like extremely vulgar and like, just like sexual for no reason, for no purpose of a joke. Like it was weird. Like it just feels so different than her other two specials. 
like the whole way through, you mm-hmm. know, where I feel like the other specials, like that approach was peppered throughout the show. Um, and even when I saw her uh, in DC, like it's, a, it was such a great balance of the stuff that I love about comedy and stand up comedy. Um, but this special, I don't know, man, it just felt different to me. And I've been seeing some reviews and people's, you know, some friends that have seen it, like kind of sort of similar response to it. So I'm curious, like, I don't know, kind of disappointed by it, to be honest with you. I was very excited to watch it. And we watched it, you know, this week it came out on Valentine's Day. Um, again, there's a couple really great jokes in it. And I don't think it's like horrible by any means. But I think just because I really like her so much, I was just disappointed by it a little. But if you like her, maybe you'd enjoy it. I mean, it's it's a it's her third special on Netflix and it's uh it's out on there now. It just came out this week. So it's called Don Wong. Um, and I think that was really the only other ones I wanted to mention. Yeah. What about you, John? Anything you want to bring up real quick? Um, yeah, I guess I want to mention something that uh, comes out today for everyone. The first two episodes of the Ben Stiller directed kind of sci-fi-ish series Severance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's on Apple TV Plus, and it's uh, you know it it's a very slow-paced show. It took me a couple times to get through the first episode at first just because it was like I would put, be putting it on late at night and it just has these kind of long scenes and it really is drawing out like these moments where you're following people down these hallways and around this structure. I, I think it's meant to give you a feel as the show goes along, you see why you need maybe this intro to this kind of otherworldliness of this place and this kind of clean, almost, you know, alien atmosphere of this place. Yeah. But the basic idea is there's an organization where it's like they provide a service of allowing you to bifurcate your mind between your work and your your life. So when you go to work, spatially, something in that building makes you go like, oh, like oh, wakes up a personality that only has memories formed in that place. And then when you leave that place, all the memories from that place go away and only the memories you formed outside that place come in. And it's like only when you're starting to watch the show, I mean, it starts to get into this, this suggestion that the reason they do that is because of what's going on in this place that they don't want people that are doing the work to to be like tortured maybe by the memories of what they've done or to be even be able to talk about what they're doing outside the building. Mm-hmm. It very quickly kind of like that concept which I remember was in the trailer of splitting your your mind between work and life. I was like, "Oh, that sounds like a high concept thing." But this very like within the first episode, you start to get a feel for how this feeds into like a suspense thriller, a little bit of like I said, science fiction stuff creeping in, almost some kind of horror elements. Um, oh, wow. uh, the first two episodes are coming out today. I've watched a few, uh, but you know, I'm definitely interested. I'm going to finish it as soon as I can. It it it's really well done. I do think the pace of it. Again, it might be prohibitive if you're not going to just really lock in and, and kind of enjoy the atmosphere of this because everything's a little bit heightened and a little bit arch. Like Patricia Arquette is a major character, and you know her performances can be very mannered, and her style of delivering dialogue is very like slow and deliberate. So I don't know. It, it's not like a super showy thing, but it is, you know, the, just the camera work and the the angles and things that they choose. You can tell that they're going for something. Um, you know, like off-putting. They're trying to keep you off balance with with mm. the sort of sort of photography it is, but it's very stately. And I think you know Ben Stiller tends to make nice things. I don't always love his directorial efforts, but he he doesn't phone it in at all. Um, so I don't know. I think it's a really interesting show. And I like I said, I would love to know more about. I, I I wish I'd been able to watch them all so I could speak to just the general quality of the thing. But as far as like, does the concept start to pay off 
in terms of what it, the situations it puts the characters in, it very quickly got me to realize, oh, I can see how this can be a, a, a you know, something that'll keep me hanging on. Mm-hmm. Um, because there's this whole thing of people that know you at work that don't know you outside and vice versa. I don't know. It's an interesting, it starts to present entanglements pretty quickly that, that I, mm. I, I want to see. So people should probably check that out. Um, if that sounded interesting. And then there's a movie on, uh, HBO max, I think, is that where Kimmy is? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it's the new Steven Soderbergh flick and it is, um, you know, I mean, it's kind of in line with the sort of stuff he does. Uh, he's another guy that doesn't make just crappy films or anything, but he kind of works fast, and you get a sense of like what excited him about an idea, and he his casts are always colorful and interesting, and there's a couple of sort of surprise people that pop up in cameos in this um, that feed into that thing of Steven Soderbergh sort of casting co- comedians in in minor characters, something he seems to like to do, even if it's not a comedy. But uh, this is really about Zoe. Is it Zoe or Zoe? In this case, Zoe Kravitz. Zoe. Zoe Kravitz is really, really great in this. She really carries this thing. Mm. It's it's a little bit of a um, rear window update. There's a housebound person who doesn't want to leave their apartment. But it, it's one of the first things I've seen that answers the question I've had of just, when am I going to see a movie that takes place post-pandemic, but not like in a... Not about pandemic, but just our characters are popping on masks and stuff, and you see people wearing masks in the street, and mm. people are just living in that world. And they're referring to lockdown. They're referring to like things that happened when everyone's been sitting at home. Um, but you can see how pandemic feeds into a and lockdown feeds into like a rear window type scenario really easily if everyone's kind of staying in their homes. Um, right. I don't know there's some there's some really beautiful photography in this I noticed. I mean it's that crisp super clean digital photography but it there were some really nice colors and uh again I think about these things when I watch a Soderbergh movie because I know that he is very interested in like those aspects, those formal aspects of putting together a movie and this movie has that kind of flash that his films can have um you know i didn't love it overall but by the time it gets to the end there's actually some pretty good there's like a pretty good suspense sequence that wraps it up and you feel like you saw something that was pretty cohesive and and well done so um you know i think i I guess i would recommend it it's only 90 minutes that's another thing that sort of you know thank goodness a a new movie that it's only 90 minutes long you don't see that very often um and the fact that it's on hbo max i I think it's a real easy sell to check this one out um but yeah it's not without little little story issues and i don't like to pick on plot holes but i I thought of a few while i was watching this just by accident so you know i don't know if that's a great sign uh i enjoyed it though i thought it was good it's like a b movie it's like a solid b movie from some really talented people gotcha i had to check it out oh i forgot to mention one more thing aziz ansari's nightclub comedian special um, so the, the concept is he wrote um, a couple jokes and then performed them the same night. Uh, it's a half an hour long. I loved it. I mean, because I, I, I really didn't like the one after he had the big controversy. I was a little afraid once he started going casual clothes. Once <laughs> when he went from soup to casual clothes, he got weird. But, you know, he's in casual clothes in this one, and it's really good. It has a lot of heart. You know, it's about... COVID and, and, and stuff, but it, it's, it's not as hard on people in this one, like, but it does really talk about the absurdity of everything that's happening. It's, it's really well written with a lot of care on the subject of COVID and masks and, you know, vaccines. It's, it's just done really well. So Aziz Ansari, nightclub comic, nightclub comedian, check it out. If you like Aziz Ansari. Didn't you want to mention Bel Air? 
Oh my God, Bel Air. Bel Air, uh, based on a short that came out, <laughs> based on a short that came out about uh, three years ago. Um, it was a drama. It was a, a piece that was about five minutes. It was a dramatized version of Bel Air, uh, uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Uh, Will Smith saw it uh, and developed it into a show. It went to one place that we shall not name. And then Peacock picked it up. Um, and I, I had the privilege of uh, Peacock sent us all of the episodes or most of the episodes. I watched the first four. The first four should be accessible by the time you hear this. Mm -hmm. um, it is one of the best updates to a concept that I've ever seen. Um, it takes a lot of unanswered questions that, that existed in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. For example, oh <laughs> how did his mom feel about him going to L.A.? And he on, we only saw her like twice. You know, they addressed that stuff. And, you know, why would a person go to L.A. after getting in one little fight? This, this fight, in this case, involved a gun. <laughs> and, and getting arrested by cops and, and you know and just it was very it makes a lot of sense and, and as silly as it sounds to dramatize something like this there's no reason why some of the stuff should have been as light as it was in the original version these are all questions i've had at, at some point during the course of this the original show um it's it's a little more vulgar um but carlton hillary and will and Uncle Phil's like this, like bald heartthrob, which is really. It, it, Jeffrey is like a very cool, smooth dude too. It's very weird to see these like beautiful people playing the the counterparts, and they were beautiful too. Don't get me wrong, the the original counterparts. But this is this is a very solid introduction to this drama version of. Will Smith's Fresh Prince of Bel-Air might have something to do with him. He oversaw it. He, he produces the show as well. Um, it really pays a cool homage to Philly. A lot of Philly references. And um, seeing Jazz and Will in this is pretty amazing. And the guy that plays Will Smith is, I don't know, man. It, 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 it's not exact, but there's something about him that feels like the spirit of Will Smith. I don't know how else to describe it, but that he's a tall, handsome dude. That's very charismatic, but in a very different way than Will Smith. But it feels like the spirit of the show. So, I mean, if anybody wants to see a dramatized version of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and doesn't mind profanity, because it's not quite a sitcom in the same way that this that the original was. It's a cool ass show, man. It's a cool show that looks really beautiful. I, so. I'm, I think it's an interesting thing because it sounds so much like it could also have been a Saturday Night Live sketch to yeah. say we're going to do a trailer yes. for a serious version of Fresh yes. Prince, you know, yes, and yes, yes. and and then it's interesting that they actually. But I mean, when I heard they were developing it, it was like, well, clearly they're going to put it through the paces of whatever they do to develop a drama. They're mm -hmm. not going to say let's let's do the cheesy version. But it is it is a funny thing. It still feels like a a parody to do like the serious version of something that was essentially a you know that show had heavy themes on it, but all sitcoms had those heavy episodes. Yeah. It was a pretty light hearted show the other thing is does this not feel like it's just you know you can see those trends coming like if oh. this takes off and, and people love it think of all the sitcoms that are going to get like reimagined as yes. like the dramatic potential of them i mean they, they already did something different with the reboot of saved by the bell it's not like dramatic or anything yeah. but but it's made with an eye towards like 
breaking the mold a little bit, you know? So it's like, they don't have to be sacred if they can get that, if they can get that thing. So it did make me think in a couple of years, are we going to, are we going to be looking at more or just to see them coming or what of these kind of like dramatic reboots yeah. of comedic materials? It seems like you could go in the other direction. You could do the spoof comedy. That's like a reboot of something like Starsky and Hutch type thing that, that, yeah. that we've seen a million times, but you don't see a lot of people saying, Oh, this was a comedy. And now we're going, it almost seems like inherently you have to scale the, the usual heights of drama has to scale, but then actually go higher because you also have to make people not think they're watching the serious quote unquote version of something silly. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't know. It's an interesting yeah. challenge, but it definitely doesn't look like a sitcom. And if I didn't know that it was connected, there's really not much visually to connect. Like when I saw the trailer, I was like, oh, this looks like just a show they would make. It yeah. doesn't look like it has to be resting on this association with the old show at all. So I wonder what that's like to someone who is a religious viewer of that show to then see, I'm sure, all the Easter eggs and references and characters that, that must pop up show maybe 10 15 times all the way through and i can tell you that i mean i'm not i i wasn't too upset when they said they were going to make a show about it uh there's so many easter eggs it's it's crazy and they do it in a really cool way like yeah it's it's worth checking out for anybody that i think riverdale was the first serious version of a thing i was like yeah yeah yeah. riverdale is it like but even that's campy yeah that's that's like heightened and kind of campy bel-air yeah. looks like it's a legit drama i don't know it doesn't look like yeah. it's trying yeah. to be a spoof of anything. <laughs> You're right yeah so we'll see we'll see I, I think it's a great show man cool and that's on peacock right peacock yes every yeah. thursday uh and i think they have two or three more episodes to go but it's it's a great show cool yeah cool all right well that's a lot uh we we'll probably have a We'll probably have a recap or some sort of like you can make sure you catch all this. If you go to our YouTube, you know, you definitely see our little timestamps. Uh, yeah, timestamps. Time so you can like, you know, <laughs> find what you want to listen to. If that's a that's a perk and benefit of subscribing to the YouTube and turning on notifications. So you get those alerts when these new episodes drop. But yeah, um, yeah there's a lot of different properties across a lot of different platforms that we just discussed. But <laughs> the bulk of this episode, we discussed Peacemaker. That's on HBO Max. Um, and uh, if you have any questions about where to find something, if we mentioned it and didn't clarify, definitely comment. If you follow us on Facebook, you can stream the podcast re- directly from there. If you follow our Facebook page, just facebook.com slash movie movie. And uh, if you comment asking, we'll definitely let you guys know where you can find it. Um, or you can just comment if you saw something that we didn't mention that you think we need to check out if you liked it. it would love to engage, love to comment back and forth, just kind of see what everybody's checking out. Um, Because we definitely don't see everything, and I'm sure we've missed something that's pretty great. So let us know what it is if we haven't talked about it yet. You can also go to moviesmovie.com, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, Any platform that we are on is all linked directly there. And you can even listen to it directly on that site if you want to. Um, That that option's there as well. But um, we'll be back in a couple weeks. Uh, We're going to have an episode. We're going to do a little bit of a preview uh, on this year's South by Southwest Festival, which... um, the film portion of it, we were, we were fortunate once again to be able to participate in. So we'll be checking out a bunch of stuff and uh, we're going to go and do an episode where we kind of like just bullet point a couple of these uh, films that are being showcased there that we're looking forward to the most, each of us. Uh, that'll be out in a couple of weeks. And then I guess at the other end of that, we'll be back in a bit. We're going to have a little bit of a break coming up here. Um People might you know, know why if they've listened carefully to this I was episode. like, yeah, if you, if you listen to what Ronald said, you know why. Um, there's going to be a child coming into this world yeah. and uh, they're going to spend a lot of time loving that little thing. So we're going to give him all the time he wants. And uh, as long as he continues to send us pictures and let us know how everything's going, 
we'll be okay with that. But yeah, we're, we're going to try to bank some stuff and have some stuff ready on the other side of, of his just amazing event that's coming into his life. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll check out some maybe. stuff at Southwell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> South by Southwest. <laughs> and be sure you know what we watch because, you know, later this year, you'll probably see a lot of the stuff from that festival coming out in theaters or, you know, on different platforms that we talk about, streaming platforms. But um, again, a couple of weeks, we'll have a preview episode for South by. And then a little bit after that, we'll, we'll kind of recap what we actually got to see. And let you know what the standouts standouts were. Um, you guys have anything else you want to mention? Are we good to go? Good to go. All There's right, no wrong time to rock. <sighs> That's also very true. Um, yeah. As always, thanks for listening. You made our day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.